Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Cody Laurie with me here today. Cody, I really appreciate this. This is going to be really fun. I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation. But before we do, I want to point everybody to your website and your book. So head over to mrschmooze.com. And I'm going to make sure to have that link in the show notes. But thank you for your time here today as you are the king of schmoozing especially based on some of the stories I read about you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it was, I've had an interesting life and eclectic life, and I'm still living it and doing out-of-the-box kinds of things. In the book, we talk about setting up a meeting with the President of the United States in one week, getting a baseball signed by the Pope, carrying the torch in the Olympic torch relay, getting a Super Bowl ring gifted to me by a Hall of, or NFL Hall of Fame coach, auditioning for... Saturday Night Live within a 48-hour notice. And then in the book, I also talk about that. And I am not an athlete. And I never, up until I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, the most I ever ran was one mile. But I talk about leading the Marine Corps Marathon. And that's it's a funny story. The book has been doing very well. Most people, they've got a negative connotation, Jack, with, but schmooze comes from the Yiddish word schmoozen, which means to chat idly in a friendly or persuasive manner so as to gain favor in business or connections. And I have changed the definition. Today, we live in the most connected society in the history of the world, yet we're more disconnected than ever before. So schmooze is about hearkening back to the days when we looked people in the eye, we greeted them with a smile, our word was our bond, and our relevancy wasn't based on how many likes and looks we got on social. So schmooze, my redefined definition of the word. It's about a winning smile. It's about making a great first impression. It's about being genuine. It's, a, it's about communications. It's about getting your kids up at the podium and getting them started early, making a presentation in front of people. It's about building relationships and relationships that last. And hopefully we'll have time to, to talk about that. And at the end of the day, there is a common denominator and people read the book, they will get it. It's about reaching out to people that are maybe not so well off. And in the book, I, I share many stories and I tell people at the end of the day, it's not how many zeros you have after your name or the cashmere you have in your closet or the cars you have in your driveway. It's about, it's about how you treated the less fortunate and how you reached out and how you made a difference maybe in somebody else's life. Yeah, you know, it, I hate to start at the very beginning. You and I talked just briefly before we hit record, and it sounds like your grandfather was very influential in your life. Although, on the flip side, you got a, another side of that coin. You had a rocky childhood. I'd like you to, I know in our we have a kind of a short time together, but maybe summarize a little bit of some of that and and what you felt you needed to do to break through that mindset or that experience is there. Yeah. You hear wonderful stories and about the rags to riches. And I guess my story starting out could be characterized as riches to rags. I come from a pretty prominent family in Detroit. 
My grandfather was superintendent of schools in Detroit for 30 years. He was first president of Wayne State University. There's a high school in Detroit named after him, Frank Cody High School. And when my mom was growing up, she was actually raised with the automotive powerhouses of the day, the Fords, the Fishers. She made her debutante. She went to a finishing school. And I don't remember much of that life at all because our family moved to Fort Lauderdale when I was about five. And my dad came from a pretty prominent family as well. But unfortunately, my mom and dad, they, they had a rocky relationship and alcohol had a lot to do with it. And within a seven-year period, a seven-mile radius, we moved. Are you ready for this? We moved 32 times. We actually lived in two places twice. I can remember coming home from school, Jack, with my little brother, and we didn't live there anymore. And it was crazy. My dad eventually left, and my mom had to go to work for the first time in her life and raised four kids, and it was difficult. But out of that childhood came four kids that really understood life and easy street isn't for everybody and there's nothing lasts forever. And in my case, it lasted five years, I guess my first five years. But after that, all my, myself, along with my siblings, we all started working at an early age. And if, if you will indulge me just a second here, I started selling papers at the, when I was 11 years old at the Sunrise Shopping Center in Fort Lauderdale. And it was there, Jack, that I learned a lot of things. I learned about the importance of hard work. I learned about overcoming adversity. I learned about building relationships. I got a big lesson in, in having fun in life. And I used to have fun with the many people that I would be encountered, that I would encounter on a daily basis. A newspaper was only a nickel back then. But even then, especially when you're selling a, the third-ranked newspaper in the market, a nickel's a lot of money. And they didn't care if it was the Blue Street edition or if it was the latest news. Most people didn't want the Miami news. We were competing with the Miami Herald and the Fort Lauderdale news. But I would work the mall. I'd go back and forth. Paper, sir. Paper, ma'am. And if they went by and they didn't acknowledge me, and that really bothered me, even at age 11, I said, sir, would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes, what states you were born in, and how many birthdays you've had? That got mostly everyone's attention. They would turn around, they'd look me up and down, and they'd tell me I'm in. And I'd say, you got your shoes on your feet, you're born in the state of infancy, and you've only had one birthday the day you were born. So I learned an awful lot selling newspapers. And as I alluded to yesterday about being kind, I think that was a big lesson in my life. I was out in front of a very famous restaurant down there at the time called Wolfie's. It was a Jewish delicatessen. And I was pitching my Miami News, Saturday Miami News, next to a guy who was selling the early edition of the Sunday Miami Herald. Any of your viewers or listeners out there know that the Miami Herald at the time, was it was bigger than the New York Times. And this guy was selling the Sunday Miami Herald, and I was selling the Miami News, the Saturday Miami News. And so I wasn't doing so well. It was late. It was about 6.30, and I had sold papers all the whole day, and I was getting very tired. And I had gone to Wolfie's because I thought it would be a good place to sell my last 12 papers of the day. I never wanted to leave home until I had all my papers sold. 
So I was out there pitching for about 30 minutes. It must have been funny watching most people, their reactions, because I had no chance of selling to Miami Miami News based on what I told you. So I just about ready to give up. And all of a sudden, this guy comes blowing out of the restaurant. And I immediately pitch him. Miami News, Miami News. And he can't move away from me fast enough, Jack. And I, I get up and I start running towards him. I said, Sarah, would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes, what state you're born in, how many birthdays you've had? He turned around so abruptly, I thought he was going to hit me. And then he looked down at me and I must have been a sore sight. Looked like the Arful Dodger needed a good haircut, a bath. I had paper ink all over me. And in a voice and a tone that didn't match his immediate reaction, he said, son, how many papers do you have left? And I said, sir, I have 12 papers left. He said, that's exactly how many I want. And then I want you to go home. So yes, I did learn a lot of lessons selling newspapers and being kind and reaching out and understanding that everybody now and then needs a a little lift one way or the other. There's my favorite proverb is a Japanese one, fall down seven times, get up eight. And Jack, we've all had adversity in our life. Nobody gets a hall pass. And I believe that. And, I, and I've experienced in my life various setbacks and got back on, on the main track by staying in the game and understanding that failure along with success can be temporary. Cody, one of the things that you said early on there is regarding our new society where we're in this disconnected world. We're the most connected we've ever been, but we don't have that face-to-face, those experiences like you, you talk about in your book. Can you talk a little bit about how some people could get comfortable in schmoozing the way you are? Because this is going to be a kind of a mindset shift for a lot of people. Yeah, it's. I just did a big keynote speech in Orlando. And for a national company. And I'll tell you that it was, they were an investment group. Unlike yours, they were in stocks and bonds and equities, that kind of stuff. But uh, boy, I'll tell you what, they're walking around there with their chin in their chest. I talked about the art of schmoozing and a winning smile and how important that is to get that chin out of your chest and start being a little more open. And, and one of the topics that I hit on, and I think it's very relevant to, to your audience and listeners, is what I call the secret sauce. And it's about building relationships. I had a marketing firm for 30 years, and then I went on to be president of a, of a regional advertising agency. And we've got clients on the books that we've had for over 30 years. And I, I, I owe much of that to the secret sauce. And building relationship, again, getting the client to trust you and never letting them down. And the most important one is building that relationship. And it's not something that's going to take us, in most cases, a long time to do. And I tell people that when you meet somebody for the first time, in the first 60 seconds, they're already making a value judgment about you, whether they like you, they don't like you, whether they want to do business with you or they don't want to do business with you. And I've got a, a story on how I picked up a multi, multi-million dollar account. And I didn't even know I was going to have an opportunity. I got real quick. I got a call from a Toyota dealer up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our, in, in, in my business, we, we did a lot of automotive. We represented what they call tier two dealers. And that is groups of dealers 
like dealers to join together for marketing and advertising. And I, so I get a call from this gentleman and he wants me to come up to their to their meeting. They're having a dinner and he wants to introduce me to their Toyota dealers. Of course, I'll be there. The Grove Park Inn, very nice place, never been there. And so I fly up there and I get in there and go up to the room, come on down. They've already started. I was a little late. And I start meeting 12, 12 of these Toyota dealers. And one of the things that that I talk about in the book. It's about building that relationship early. In our very brief discussion, I wanted to know a little bit about you, Jack, and your background and maybe some things that we have in common. That evening, I went in, it was cocktail hour, and I didn't make it to, to all of the dealers, but I would say that eight or 10 of them, I had a good conversation with them. I knew where their dealerships was, how long they'd been in the business, how they got started. And I started building that relationship. And I started building that relationship, networking with all of them. I'm at dinner and one of the dealers looks at me. He said, who'd you bring with you? Now, I thought that was a very odd question. Who did I bring with me? I didn't bring my wife. I knew it was just a kind of a guy trip. And come to find out, Jack, they were having a presentation, major presentation for their business, for their association the next morning. There were four agencies invited. I was one of them. The other agencies that were invited, I mean, they were some pretty big names and, and they had the best of the best with them. They had their creative guy with them. They had their media person with them. They had storyboards. They had parting gifts for their, for the dealers. And I almost couldn't believe what this guy was saying. And I told him, I said, no, I didn't bring, I didn't bring anyone. And I, I didn't let on too much then that I was actually thinking about backing out. I went up to my room and I was thinking, this is crazy. What do I have? I got me. I've got my background. I've got a sizzle tape with me. And the sizzle reel is something every agency had. And ours was as good as anybody's. But I, I, I was trying to figure out why I should make a presentation. And I, the more I thought about it, I said, you ought to go for it. You don't know. You don't have any creative, but you know your creative strategy and go over that. You don't know the market at all. And I didn't know the market at all, but I knew our media strategy and I knew how we bought. So this is the best part of the story. I decide that I'm going to make that presentation. I get up in the morning and I go down and I meet three other agencies and they're all dressed in their brother's best. And the, the people with them, they're all dressed in their Sunday best. And as I said, they've got their storyboards and all kinds of, they're ready to go and they're dismissing me, right? Some guy by himself and maybe a business card that he can hand out later. So you got to understand in this particular niche, they, these dealers make decisions quickly. It's not, okay, make a presentation and well, we're going to make a decision here in two or three weeks. That's not the way it works. They make a decision right now. So in advertising, Jack, you either want to be the first up or you want to be the last up. And as it turned out, I was last. So they called me in. And when I went in, every, hey, Cody, how you doing? That was fun last night. Hey, boy. And it's kept on these guys a hundred years. Okay. And I had just met him the night before, but I did make, connect myself with almost all of them. And so they knew who I was and I had an opportunity to, to network and to mingle and schmooze and all those kinds of things. And so I made my presentation and again, I was up there by myself. I, I did have a, my video with me. So I showed my sizzle reel 
And when I was done, they gave me a big applause. And now I went out in the lobby, kicked the tires and talked to some of the other agency people. And about 40 minutes later, one of the dealers comes out. He said, Cody, would like to see you. And I thought maybe I didn't explain something right or what have you. So I go into the room, they close the door and they all get up and they give me a standing ovation. I won that business. And I won the business because I understood how you build relationships and you build them within the first 60 seconds that you meet somebody. When I go in and I talk to a new CEO or a new prospective client, I know more about that particular person than my competition. I know the college he went to. I know the charities he belongs to. I knew the clubs in town he belongs to. I know a lot about that person. And I also know a very, something that almost always works for me. It's a tactic that I would suggest your listeners do as well. Ask them how they got started in the business. My gosh, sit back because you're going to be there for a long time. Because very successful people, they're very proud of where they've been and where, where they came from. And they're always willing to share that. I would say that with the people that are the basic core of the people that are listening in, if I've got it right, and viewing in, they've got to deal with bankers and they've got to deal with investors and they've got to, how do you approach those people? Is there somebody in your market that could really make a difference for your company in 2023? What are you doing about it? You got to really build those relationships. And then the other two legs of that three-legged stool is trust. You There are no white lies. Everything is transparent, especially in today's market. And then you never let them down. That's the third leg. I'm still doing business with clients I've had for 30 years and I'm still their blankie. And if they call me on Sunday, I pick up the phone and I talk to them because I know how important that is to them. And uh, so I think that answered your question. Yeah, that that was a great one, Cody. And I just want to remind everybody to check out Cody's website and book. Head over to mrschmooze.com for more information there. Like I said, I'll make sure to have that link as clickable in the show notes. But one of the things that I wanted to call out, Cody, and we're going to be pretty timely regarding this. We know that Elon Musk just bought Twitter and there's a shakeup going on right there. But right Who, now, Who's Elon Musk? Who's Elon Musk? <laughs> no, I got you, I got you. One of the things that he just tweeted that has, I I just called it up on the screen because what you just said reminded me of this. And he's gotten over half a million likes by saying the words, why is small talk legal? Wow. And you just talked about why it is not only why it's just downright important, especially if it's a targeted thought out, why, what the purpose driven small talk is probably a better way of putting it. At the end of the day, Jack, people want to do business with people they like, and they want to do business with people they know. And if they don't know you, they can't like you. It was that that quote, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And, you know, how true. And so that was something that in my business career, I'm doing a lot of speaking now, but in, in my traditional business, I always made sure that I did make a good first impression. I can tell you, you work with the when you work with automobile dealers, say, and I learned early on when I was a young punk just starting out in advertising, I said, my God, these guys, 
dressed like they just walked out of a GQ magazine or something. And so I made it a point then, even though I couldn't afford to dress like them, when I walked in a room, I looked like them. I had Alan Medman's shoes. I had the right suits. I had the, and I'm like some of these dealers who really couldn't put it all together. I could put it together. So there, there's nothing more important than, and Elon Musk speaks to it, is mingling with the people you're doing business and small talk and all those kinds of things that I think he was trying to convey. One of the other things that you brought up is establishing these long-term relationships. Is One of the things that I actually struggle with, and maybe it's just, maybe you can solve it for me, is remembering or finding the proper tools to remember all of this information that you established the small talk then down the road, it's important to remember some of this, these details. Is there some tricks or strategies that you use to, to keep track of it all? I don't know of any tricks, but I would encourage people. And if they're into audio, they can download my book and I lay it out pretty succinctly in, in the book. And I'd say it's a great tool. And I did not say this. The publishers wrote this, but he said not since Dale Carnegie's iconic 1939 book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, has there been a better roadmap for one's business life. And I, I would just encourage your people to read the book. As I told you earlier, it's, a, it's an easy read. It's a funny read. It's inspirational for the reasons that I outlined earlier. And, and it's easy because Jack, as I told you, I don't have a big vocabulary, so it's easy for everyone to read. With all of your experience, you probably have some stories. Let's talk a little bit about one of the biggest mistakes you've experienced as a business person and some of the lessons you learned there. Yeah, so I would say that one of my biggest mistakes in, in business is when I got into business, I was a 50-50 partner. And I just had this discussion a week ago about a young man who's thinking about going in and he's going to be 50-50. And that didn't work out so well for me. And I know there's a lot of businesses out there that are 50-50 and they've done very well. But I can tell you that on two occasions, when I went 50-50, it didn't work for me. And so I tell people, either be 51 or 49 because you know where you stand in either situation. So I think trusting in, in other people early on and if you're bringing in 90% of the bacon and giving somebody else 50% of the, the take, then I think it's, uh, it's, it just doesn't sit well with me. And you asked me and I told you. You know, I think my listeners are tired of me saying it, but it's one of those things that I preach quite a bit. You either start with an awkward conversation or you'll end with one. Exactly. Exactly. Cody, you have so many fantastic stories. And I'm not going to be the one to select the best one, but could you share one of the stories regarding how your schmoozing techniques has put you into a, what people would think is an impossible scenario or outcome? Yeah. So I, like I said, setting up a meeting in the president of the United States, the ring gifted to me by an NFL coach carrying the torch in the Olympic torch relay. One of the things, that's the sizzle and it's in the front of the book. One of the, one of the stories that I tell in the book, and it's not part of the sizzle, but I get into it and it's about being persistent. And I got to tell you that that is, that's one of the things that I really credit my success with. And it's being persistent 
And early on in my career, long before I got into the advertising business, I was a stand-up comedian. And it was long before the day when you got a, a regular gig at a local comedy store. It was, if you did get an honorarium, it was unusual. And you usually, you just, you did it until somebody, or you went on stages and hopefully somebody was in the audience and recognized you. My wife and I were, all, we were already at this stage. And we had decided that I was, that we were going to move to Las Vegas. I had already made contacts with some comedians that were doing pretty well out there. And in my really brief career, because at the time I'm pretty raw, right? I decided that I wanted to go to New York and kick the tires and see what's going on there. And so with, without a big budget, and I can tell you that I stayed at the YMCA by the United Nations, and I don't care how good they tell you YMCA is probably isn't very good today and it definitely wasn't good then but anyway that's where i stayed but i went up there and i I went to catch a rising star and the improv and some other places i actually got on at catch a rising star and did pretty well it's a great story about what happened and me getting on stage and what have you and i would just remind some of your viewers here that catch a rising star was the biggest comedy club in the world and uh get on that stage was pretty special and I schmoozed my way on, but I had about two days left while when I was in New York and I said, you know what? I said, I'm here. I'm going to audition for Saturday night live. And uh, they're right around the corner, Rockefeller center. Why not? Sometimes it's good to be naive in life. And I was definitely naive. And uh, so I called up the, the TV show at the Rockefeller center and secretary. I, I checked and the talent coordinator's name was John Head. And I told him that I want to speak. I researched that. And I want to speak to Mr. Head. And uh, they put me right through to him and a real nice guy, an English chap. And we're talking and I told him that I'm in Florida and I'm only going to be up here for another two days and that I do Jimmy Carter. I do Jimmy Carter better than Rich Little. And then if he becomes president, you know, you're going to probably need somebody like me on your show. My name is Jimmy Carter. I'll tell the truth. If I'm tell a lie, I don't know the tooth. And it goes on and on. But anyway, I, I thought I'd throw that in. So anyway, Jack, he says to me, he says, listen, he says, I'm a little tied up right now. He says, give me a call back tomorrow morning. I call back tomorrow morning. Guess what? He's not available. I call back again. I call back again. I call back. I had, I absolutely wore the receptionist out calling it. Poor thing. She had to keep making excuses why he wouldn't get on the line. And I suspect the reason he didn't want to get on the line because he really didn't want to talk with me any further. But anyway, I, and that's why I think it's important to understand the, the importance of staying persistent. At about six o'clock, I said, well, you know what? Maybe he's got a telephone. Maybe he's got a listed number. And this was before the advent of cell phones and what have you. So I looked him up, called information, and how do you... Can you believe it? There's a John Head who lives in Long Island. And I call the number. And guess who picks up the phone? It's Mr. Head with his English accent. And I said, Mr. Head, this is Cody Lowry. And uh, he goes, you are unbelievable. He goes, (laughs) now we start talking and we make an appointment for the next day to, for me to meet him at the studios of Catch a Rising Star. Now I'm going up the elevator and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? You are raw talent. You're going to audition for Saturday Night Live. 
But I must tell you, Jack, when that elevator opened, I calmness came over me and I said, you know what? I belong. And I went up to the reception desk and Mr. Head is waiting for you. I walk into the room. There really wasn't a stage. It was a platform. And I, I met him and just a very nice guy. And I went through some material. I had a fat cell on vasectomy for $14.95 that is still funny today. I won't go over that with you. It's in the book, by the way. But a do-it-yourself kid, actually. But then I got into my Jimmy Carter, and he loved it. And he wasn't rolling in the aisles, but I could tell a genuine smile when I saw it. And when I was done, he said, Cody, I want to get two more people in the room. I want them to see that impression. It's okay. So he went and got the other two people. He did not formally introduce me to either of the gentlemen, but I went through the Carter routine again. And they applauded, a little applaud, and they left. And he said, Cody, you knocked it out of the park. He said, listen, I'm going to see you around town. Let's see if Jimmy Carter becomes president and maybe another audition or whatever. But I did not get on Saturday Night Live and Rich Little became president. But people ask me today, Jack, they say, do you regret not really pursuing it? I got to tell you, my goal wasn't to do stand-up comedy. My goal was to go out there to Vegas and earn my stripes and hopefully it would, I could parlay that into a sitcom or whatever. Cause I was big into acting and what have you, but they asked me, don't you regret not doing that? Well, let me tell you something. First thing you'll see in my book when you open it up is a uh, picture of my 11 grandchildren. And I can tell you that there is nothing, including headlining at Caesar's palace that I would give for the joy and the happiness and all those kinds of things that 11 grandchildren can bring to your, to the table. That was a great story on persistence. And it, it reminded me of, and to, you'll have to forgive me. Now I've watched a number of YouTube videos with you and a few others. I, so I think I saw it recently where you said that, that old adage, work hard or work smarter. And there's no such thing. There's nothing that can beat the hard work. Yeah. And again, I learned that selling newspapers. At the end of the day, 23 is going to be a little more difficult, but there's no reason why people in business can actually have a better year unless it just completely collapses, which I don't think is going to happen. And I won't get into my reasons for that. But I don't believe working smart at given, huh? I think working hard, if you look at, uh, the, the people that have really done well in life, and I'm thinking about some of your viewers, listeners, they built businesses and they'd be successful businesses. They'd be the first to tell you, yeah, they worked smart, but they worked hard. And, and if you're going to, if you're going to compete at the highest level and be part of that creme de la creme, hard work is the number one common denominator that I have seen throughout the very successful people I've encountered. I have a couple last questions for you here, Cody, but before I get into them, I want to remind everybody one more time, mrschmooze.com, and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but Cody, you have had such a varied life with so many experiences. I'm always curious as to how you're going to answer this one. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? One piece of advice? I would, uh, I would say probably, it, listen, I was born with a lampshade on my head, okay? And there are times that uh, I probably should have been a little more serious, 
And I wasn't. And so I would just say that, and then we're talking about growing up. I was the kid who cut up in class. I'm the kid that got spanked in the in fifth grade by Mrs. Lipstrew. And so I wish that in those particular years, I would have been a little more serious. And I wasn't. I, I had a lot going on, moving every other week. And AD on top of it, and that's before they knew what that was. But to answer your question, it would have been to be able to buckle down earlier than I did. I, I worked my way through college. I didn't have a, any resources, and I, I had a car, a Corvair, that used more oil than gasoline that I managed to acquire. And uh, But that's where I really got serious about my academics and really learning something. And I'm, I guess when I look back, I was proud of the fact that if you look at my high school grades and my uh, the score on my SAT scores, I probably wasn't couldn't have gotten into too many schools, but I did get into to a statewide university and uh, did very well. And uh, and maybe I would have liked that opportunity to get a little more serious with my my school be before I did. Cody, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered on today's show? There, there really is, and I've, and I've enjoyed talking to you, Jack. Congratulations on your success, over 400 podcasts. That's something to be very proud of. I would just encourage your audience to read the book. And if you need a speaker for your next association meeting or your own personal business, so go to my website, mrschmooze.com, and it's all there for you to digest. I'll make sure to have all of those corresponding links in the show notes, but really appreciate your time again, Cody. I hope you consider coming back again sometime. I would love it. Thank you, Jack, and thank you to your audience. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.